All right, folks. Um, welcome to one of the strangest, in my opinion, episodes of the Clipping Point. Um, your host, Captain Ben, and this time around, not with me, is Tim Murphy. But we have... Ta-da! It's me, Noel. We're uh, live from here in uh, my garage. Uh, we're doing the whole Zoom meeting thing. I, I don't think this is going to turn out too well, but we're going to we're doing our best. We had a situation or several situations uh, this week where we couldn't all get together in Tim's garage or Paul's garage, where um, Tim is out on vacation. Uh, Paul is somewhat unavailable for some reason. Oh, I guess his garage is still full because he's still moving in. So it's kind of tough to, you know, uh, meet up in there. And then in my situation is, uh, my little brother and sister, they have COVID. Uh, I've been staying away from them. Uh, but I don't want to meet up with anybody and possibly spread it around. I want to be as safe as possible with the whole situation. Uh, so it is a real thing out there. It's out there. Luckily, we all feel fine. We're good. My little sister had a little cough. She feels great. My little brother had a small little fever. She feels great now. So I, hopefully they, we'll get over this and we're good there. So that's the situation. That's why we're doing what we're doing today. Um, but yeah, we have a big show ahead of us. Uh if you even if you even want to call it a show, because I like to uh, uh, title it as hey. uh, "Nose Notes." Nose notes. I'm not even going to look at my notes uh, because I'm I'm on the Zoom meeting and all my notes are on the phone, so uh, I don't want to have to. I'm going to test you. Yeah. Oh, you're going to test me. Okay. All right. Cool. So yeah, again, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot has happened over. The past week or so uh, in Formula Drift and elsewhere. So let's get on with it. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, uh, Irwindale was the final round of the what has proven to be one of the craziest seasons of the year. Um, well, actually, one of the craziest seasons of the whole history of the Formula Drift. Uh, series and um to finally coming uh see it come to an end was an achievement is an achievement when you consider yeah. how like there's the odds were against them from the get-go i mean nobody even expected for a uh for an event to uh, for a whole series to occur and it did they they made it and now what transpired some may argue may may be uh, uneventful, but I don't know. I mean, not many. Everybody has a difference of opinion. Yeah, and that, and that is uh, everybody has a right to that opinion, of course. Now the thing is, we gotta. I I I'm thankful for Formula Drift to be able to bring out a season uh, amidst the situation that everybody is in. Not only you know. Uh, here in the United States, but the whole world. And even though, you know, a lot of drivers missed out uh, because either they weren't making ends meet with the whole situation or because they couldn't come over from international water, uh, over international waters, um, they 
there still were international drivers and we still had enough drivers to put on a really good show. Um, granted, we didn't have James Dean or Piotr this, this year. D- uh, Diego, I almost called him Diego. Uh, Diego <laughs> Santos. <laughs> Diego Saito uh, didn't make it over either this year. Uh, he was slated to run FD this year. But, you know, hopefully all this can change next year. Uh, we don't know anything yet. and But, you know, we still had a season. It was still a great season. But we all felt like something was missing. But regardless of that, thank you, Formula Drift, for bringing out a, a season. I mean, uh, to for us, uh, I mean, we're the fans. We are the fans. And, and you know, when, when they were you know, calling out that they were canceling events and, you know, and uh, we don't know, we didn't know what we were going to, what was going to happen. I mean, it was just, I was gutted. I mean, Formula B is one of the things I look forward to the most uh, when, when it is on, on that weekend. Aside from so, football, which begs the question, football or FD? Wow, man. <sighs> I'm a Packers fan. I'm a Packers fan, but uh, you know, I, I had the Packers game on the other day, but I had FD on my phone. I was like, I'm still watching, man. You know, I can't, <laughs> I can't say no. I can't say no. I, I, I love drifting. Drifting is my passion. Uh, I love football and everything, but I mean, it's, uh, I don't really do much with it. I just watch the games. Uh, drifting is something I am involved with. And uh, we even know people who are involved in this world, in, 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 the, in the formula drift world, in the professional rings. So, yeah, you know, my heart always will go to FD. It's just if you're going to tell me not to watch a Green Bay Packers game, we're going to have a problem. So, <laughs> so yeah, that, that was it. All right. Uh, so you want to get into the, the uh, round seven? Well, first, I'm going to uh, before we get into round seven, we're not going to really cover Pro 2. Uh, we didn't have enough time to really prepare uh, this stuff, but I do want to say that Pro 2 had its own um, excitement uh, going around it. I mean, we had uh, about four or five drivers that were up for grabs in the championship. Uh, you know, Jonathan Hurst came in leading the championship, and he lost in the top 32 battle against Nick Novak. And that pretty much gave a clear path for Dimitri Bruski to just go on and win, win the cha- uh, Pro 2 Championship uh, with other people falling out, like Josh Love, which had crashed on the Thursday practice, but he still came out and competed, but you could tell his car wasn't 100%. Uh, and then you had also Austin Mata out there. Uh, but I believe he got knocked out in the top 16. I could be wrong. But yeah, or top eight, something like that. And uh, I think he went into the wall pretty hard too. There was a lot of crashes in Pro 2. Uh, I mean, Irwindale may not be Long Beach, but it has enough walls, and the way you're approaching that inner bank wall is pretty terrifying. So, I mean, uh, but hey, a lot of these guys, they they went out there, they drove their hardest. It was awesome to watch Pro 2. And congrats to Dimitri Bruski uh, for winning the Pro 2 championship. I hope to see him in the pro ranks. Uh, next year or sometime in the near future. Yeah. Um, and, and when you consider how he had that major crash where he, he, he lost a Z4, didn't he? 
Yes. Okay. So before the season started, before Formula D season started, uh, he was using uh, Mike Michael S's old BMW Z4, and he was using clutch kickers, the Gambler up in uh, English Town, and a few other events here and there. And in in English Town, he had a pretty hard wreck. Now, if you watch the wreck itself, you're like, well. You know, he went into the wall, but it's fixable. Nah, when they pick that car up, you just see all, the whole suspension falling out of the car. That thing was not in good shape. Uh, that track, as simple as it is, even though it's technically a figure eight, has taken out a lot of cars. So when Formula D does eventually go to that track, because they were supposed to go this year, but that didn't happen, uh, I think we're even as simple as the layout is, we're going to see a, a hell of a show over there. But unfortunately, that means it took Dimitri's car out. Luckily for him, he took one of Essa's old cars and just bought it off of Essa. And Essa's still there giving him support, you know, uh, even, even though it's not his car anymore. So that's awesome. And it obviously helped. Interesting fact about uh, Brutsky. He, uh, round one for Pro 2. He makes it to uh, to St. Louis, which is where it was held, and did not turn a practice lap, not one practice lap, and he still came out in fourth place. That 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 to me is a testament of his driving skill. So this guy, and you could see if you were to go back to uh, to the Pro Two uh, event, you can see his lead runs were what pro pro one guys were supposed to be doing all the way up on, on outer zone one, which was pretty challenging in itself. But I mean, just rubbing the rear bumper on it and just taking a perfect line everywhere, full commitment, full throttle everywhere. I mean, it was awesome to watch. I think he's going to be a threat to next year. Uh, if he does make it over, make the jump to pro. Okay. Well, um, just, Start off with the uh, round seven, and to also highlight yeah. Noel's notes, uh, he actually yeah. started off uh, with the uh, points uh, roundup of uh, the series going into round seven, where he had yeah. Vonnegut with 428 points, Ryan Turk with 420, Chris Forsberg with 364, Chelsea Denofa 336, and Frederick Osbo with 332, which that could tell you if you were actually following along. Uh, it wasn't a definitive answer in regards to who was going to win the championship because with all these uh, five gentlemen, so mm -hmm. I, I mean, Oswald had to obviously work more considering how he uh, again had almost a hundred points advantage, but again. You never know what could happen in Formula Drift. So obviously with that in mind, all five of these individuals were uh, battling it out for the for the title. Yeah, and you got to also remember there's two rounds left. So round seven and round eight, right? So that's a potential 200 points given to any one of these drivers. Uh, so somebody can run away with it or somebody can catch up and surpass the other guy. It just it, And you'll see throughout the weekend – how it shuffles you know drivers start moving up and or other drivers start falling down because things happen granted 
Also, another thing to uh, to remember: this was round seven at Irwindale. These car and they these uh, drivers and cars had had a compressed season. Going into round seven, these cars were beat up; they were bad. So, uh, looking at that, you know, yeah, maybe some of these guys made it up there, uh, you know, in the top five. But at the same time, uh, they probably used up everything they had in the first six rounds of the season. So uh, we'll go on to see what happens here. Yeah. Uh, so to start things off, actually, let's go into the first battle. Hang on, because I'm trying to set something up here so that way everybody can you hear properly. So the first battle that you wanted to talk about was involving uh, Ryan Turk against Kyle Mohan, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing too spectacular happened here, although in my screen it's kind of like a little high, but it's okay. Uh, Turk had, you know, Turk did what Turk does. Uh, he just has a great lead run, and he just keeps it safe against Mohan on his chase run. Uh, as you can see here, he's doing his lead through here. And, I mean, he just hits all his marks. You know, Mohan is having a hard time keeping up uh, with, you know, with the line and the angle. Uh, although I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing like a very, give me one second. Ah, there we go. I got it. I'm still working on how to work Zoom, guys. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Technology is not my friend. But it, it's actually uh, it's actually pretty nice to see Mohan out there. You know, uh, you could tell like his line wasn't as nice as uh, Turk's. Turk, you know, and he loses him right through that first inner clip. Uh, Mohan just falls back really bad through there. He has to play catch up. But other than that, I mean, he's driving better than I've seen Mohan drive in recent years. So uh, hopefully this is a sign for the future. Now, this is, of course, the replay of the first run. But uh, still going on. The, of course, we don't have audio today. They're about to start their second run here. Uh, They're still waiting. Yeah. Well, anyway. So the outcome is Ryan Turk wins this battle. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, if you know Formula Drift, if you know the drivers, uh, this is kind of, I, I, I don't want to ever say that any battles a gimme, but the, but from, you know, Recent years, what we've seen, what we've witnessed, Ryan Turk can, you know, potentially overpower Mohan pretty easily. Uh, although Mohan has a pretty good lead line through Outer Zone 1 coming off of there. And, but, you know, Ryan Turk is staying with him. What happens in this battle isn't what actually happens between the drivers, but what happens to Ryan Turk's car. Shortly after this battle, they showed a picture of of the team towing Ryan Turk's car off the track into the pits. What happened? Ryan Turk blew an engine, uh, <laughs> which is pretty which is pretty sad. I mean, he uh, you know especially considering you know the the progress that uh, Papadakis has made on on that engine, but 
it is a four cylinder that's making 850 to 1,000 horsepower, depending on how much nitrous boost they're running. This weekend, they decided to turn it up because it is the final round. And then, uh, yeah, so he he ended up blowing the engine. Unreal, though. Within From the time he blew the engine to the top 16, the car was ready to go. So that was pretty impressive. So... So that that was your your major uh, takeaway from that. Yeah, I mean the if you look at it in, in the sense of how much they hustled to get Ryan Turk back out there, he's in the championship hunt. Uh, he was second place, I believe, uh, entering the competition. So it's time. It was like, hey, you know, <laughs> we still got a shot. You know, we still got another engine. Uh, it's gonna suck for the next couple of hours, but we gotta get that engine in there and get them ready for top 16. That was, that was pretty, that was pretty impressive in my, uh, in my eyes. I mean, we've seen them do it time and time again, but I'm still shocked at the fact that they can swap an engine out in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And, and eventually it, it turned out to be like a very, um, stressful and tumultuous weekend for the Papadakis racing team considering how they had to work on both of the vehicles for things yeah. that should have been for for something that has for the most part proven reliable uh for most of the season yeah yeah and and that's and it's just a testament to what what they do number one they're taking a force on they're making a thousand horsepower beating on the rev limiter uh you know, throughout the year. And the thing has stayed, you know, pretty well put together throughout the year. Then they're also taking on Osbo's Supra in an engine that people don't have too much information about. B58 is still relatively new, especially in the Supra platform. And many people, not many people have made it to those power levels that Papadakis is pushing uh, that engine to, which is over a thousand horsepower. And, and beating on the rev limiter on top of that. So props to them. I mean, they the what they have achieved is incredible. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's just you know these things do happen with even with the best developed cars. So seeing how well it's performed throughout the year, I'm shocked. I mean, that's un- unbelievable how how well they're doing with those cars. Yeah. Um, so the next one, actually, that you wanted to talk about was Mr. Kearney against uh, Osbo, since yeah. it's fitting yeah. considering how we're still talking about uh, the Papadakis team. Yeah. Yeah, it is fitting. Now, this battle, is this, what happens in it is pretty crazy, but it has implications Maybe not implications, but it has something to do with what happens in round eight, which we're going to cover. But I want you to see right here what happens when Kearney gets real close, bumping Osbo all over the place. Osbo's still on the track. Yes, he misses that uh, inner clipping point. Uh, obviously, Dean was trying to overtake, but it, it's clearly his fault. Dean does uh, DB the tire on that run. So, I mean, there's that, but the fact is that Osbo could have just been like, 
could have been like, yo, you're hitting me, you're, you're throwing me offline, I'm just going to give it up. Uh, you know I what see, I mean? But I, I see where you're going with this. Yes. So, uh, like I said, this does pertain to something that happens in round eight, which I will talk about. Uh, but I just wanted the viewers to see what happened here when somebody approaches another driver, when a, when a driver approaches another driver and hits them on everything, Oswald had all the right to just be like, hey, I could throw this run, go off course, spin out, do whatever. But he stayed in it for the sake of the battle, for giving us a good show, for giving, you know, for, uh, you know, proving that, hey, you can't shake me like that. So that, that's, that's my piece on this battle. I, I, there's not much else for me to say about it. So, well, you know, is there anything you would like to add, Ben? Uh, no, not, not in particular with this battle. I'm just, um, it, it is sort of a, a great example of what you're, what you're trying to get to in regards to the situation where, yeah. I mean, sure, it's not the same. Obviously, different circumstances, uh, of but it it is sort of kind of gives you a bit of a reference when, uh, when especially when you consider how both uh, incidents happen at roughly the same area. Yes, and there's going to be other incidents that do happen in that same area, and uh, yeah, there are other. There have been times where somebody does get hit in that area, and it does really affect the car but it's very obvious you know that it did affect the car it, it, it in, in fact in this battle you can see it does affect uh osbo because it pushes him out but osbo stays in it either way he stays in it so i mean that's my that's my piece on this battle but i will bring this back up a little bit later down the road yeah um hang on because i'm trying to okay that's actually could work Sweet. All right. I also wanted to uh, reiterate, reiterate something here. Um, uh, in round seven, uh, going into round seven, what uh, Adam LZ was actually driving Odie Bocci's car. Uh, so I don't know if you were going to pull that up or something, but um, no. But it was I, something I, that I happened. I don't even have any sort of reference to to pull it up, but. Uh, go ahead. But yeah, so he was driving Odie Bakshi's old uh, competition car, the car that he used until 2019, the S14.5 supercharged LS V8. Uh, I mean, this is a car that is completely different to what he's used to, except for the actual chassis itself. But I mean, the suspension setup is different. The engine setup is way different. You know, it's left-hand drive. He's not used to driving, a, and, and the the grip level I think is different. Uh, Odie is a wizard when it comes to suspension tuning, uh, but the uh, so he's getting into this car, and I will tell you right now, he makes it all the way to the top eight in this car, in a car he's never driven before, in a setup he doesn't even, you know, he's not used to. A car that completely acts different. He was talking in his video about how, like, he can't really lay into the throttle like he would in his uh, Jay-Z car because in any gear, he'll just blow the tires and lose traction. He would actually have to finesse the throttle running up to the, running up to the first corner, up to the initiation. 
So it was pretty impressive to see how he adapted to something that he was just thrown into because he didn't have any prior testing. He didn't have, I think he did a couple practice laps with the car, you know, yeah. uh, that's, that to me is impressive. Uh, it's impressive. Another thing uh, that I want to reiterate, excuse me, sorry, I thought I heard something there. Uh, another thing I want to reiterate is that um, Chris Forsberg, uh, he was in a backup car. His backup car is his demo car that makes half the power of what his uh, pro car makes. Uh, it makes about 500 horsepower. It's not a VR setup. His VR, uh, his VR engine in the comp car went out. So he was in his backup car, which is, like I said, a demo car. His, that thing, you could tell. <laughs> he just didn't want to get around uh, Irwindale and his when he did his buy run, it was just kind of like you could even hear in the audio, like they have like several microphones placed in, in in Irwindale, and each time he would pass by a microphone on the bank, each time would get the RPMs would be lower and lower and lower. It was kind of like oof, really bad. So when it came time to the top sixteen, he decided to drop out of it because he said that his car isn't fast enough and it's uh it would be dangerous for the other competitors I, if that's true hey kudos to him because i know that he's a competitor he's always he's one to always um push hard and go after the championship he was in the championship hunt he was in third place he could have just been like hey you know what let me see if i can get a, a, another step farther make it into the grade eight, but he decided not to. So, um, you know, as much as, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Chris Forsberg, to be honest. Uh, and I know a lot of people who have the same sentiment as I do. Uh, I have to give him props for, you know, taking safety first, uh, and, uh, putting safety first and, and, you know, in rather than his own goal. So I'll give him that, you know, uh, kudos to him. Yeah. Um, and going back, what happened with LZ's car? I don't know if you mentioned it. Uh, he just blew the uh, 2J. His, the 2J in his car blew. Uh, I don't exactly know what happened. I know it's on one of his videos that he uploads. Uh, but yeah, so the engine went out, uh, which, is, which is sad. But this isn't the first 2J he's blown. He's blown uh, a couple of them this year, so... Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't know if that's in who's building his engines or if that's in his driving or if he's going too crazy with the car. But, um, but yeah, so uh, hopefully we'll see him again next year, hopefully. Uh, maybe with a better program. Or, but he has the potential to make it far. He's a good driver, uh, and this was his first year, and he's rookie. By the way, uh, I'm just going to blurt it out right now. He's Rookie of the Year, uh, since we're not going to be talking too much about that fact yet. Uh, so he's Rookie alert. of the Year. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, and I think he already had it before even uh, finishing round seven because Alec Robbins, who was the closest one to him at that point, uh, didn't make it to Texas. And then you also had Jonathan Aaron, but uh, uh, he, he was too far back. So, all right. So let's get back to the action. Let's uh, bring up another highlight. 
that uh, you wanted to talk about. We got Jeff Jones against Mr. Toguchi. Yeah, this is a really odd one. This is, uh, well, I don't know if this is. Well, what makes it odd? Whoa, okay, a bit of a correction over here as uh, Jeff Jones is in the first turn on the bank. Major correction, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I think it's in Jeff Jones' lead run, is it? Yeah, so, I mean, it's just a clean battle here. I mean, nothing too out of the ordinary, at least from what I saw there. Well. My video, my video's a little choppy. Okay, hang on. I'm <laughs> um, skipping forward as uh, Jeff Jones now takes the lead. So, so this is top 16. So yeah, top 16, round 7. Mm-hmm. The lights are up, which, by the way, I forgot to mention that. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the light. Look, there's a LED strip right there. I mean, that was one of the coolest things. Uh, I know Paul would disagree with me if you were here. He'd be like, it's so stupid. Uh, yeah. Wait, hang on. But, Maybe something happens here. Is this it? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Yes, I believe this is where they lost uh, a valve. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, next time I talk to Chris Jackson or, or anything, which, uh, he, as we've mentioned a hundred times before, he's a crew chief to Jeff Jones. Uh, yeah, they lost, a, I think it's an exhaust valve. Uh, and that's why you see all those flames coming through because uh, there's no compression in that one cylinder, and uh, and it's just spitting fuel out and it's burning on the way out. So uh, yeah, it was very unfortunate for uh, Jeff Jones, uh, but Jeff Jones and Chris Jackson and the rest of the team they got to work uh, shortly after that, and they uh, and they had the car ready for round. Eight, but I mean, it's unfortunate because Jeff Jones has been doing so so well this year, and you know he had a you know a chance to to move on into the top eight from this battle against a competitor in Kazuya Taguchi, which is uh, wait, which hang is, on, so, I, I don't mean to, to cut you off, but they faulted Jeff Jones for slowing down and causing uh, Taguchi to spin. Uh, well, I mean, he's not drifting the rest of the way and his engines, <laughs> it's obvious there, there was a power cut out. Yeah, I understand there. that. But the thing is he's okay. So if that run is a wash and they go back to the first run, you could argue that Jeff Jones, uh, should have won that battle. Right. Right. But, uh, Jeff didn't spin out or stop the car he kept going but the car couldn't drift anymore so yeah. obviously i mean and, and this is my opinion uh, this is the way i would see it. i would see it as like hey his car can't go anymore it's not it's broken something's wrong with it obviously that you know that transpired to what happened on the track with kazuya running into him spinning out because he's not moving anymore so uh so yeah that i mean that's that's what I see. I, I I don't think it's a bad call. Actually, uh, no. I, I, mean, I, I apologize. I take it back because I was thinking about it differently where, yeah, even though, yes, I feel like the second run is a wash. But looking back at the first run, I do recall pointing out Jeff Jones having that issue on the bank into the first turn. That's right. He, 
He did straighten up. And then that would would give Kazuya the advantage. So I I definitely see him. Um, I I could definitely see him winning that that one. That battle. Well, even if the second run is a wash, they still have to give fault for what happened, right? Correct. Uh, so, so I mean, it's still the way I see it. It's still going to be Jeff Jones's fault uh, because his car isn't running right or whatnot. So, I mean, there's nothing as a driver that you can do at that point, you know, uh, Jeff Jones or Kazuya. I mean, Kazuya is locked in. Uh, to stay on his door, and he just oops, you know, this guy's not accelerating into the into the into the inner clip anymore. Like it, he stopped because at some point they got to start accelerating again, and it just wasn't happening. And if you look at what happened, um, we would actually have to pull up the D cell map on that. But I think the D cell area is before it ends before you reach the uh, inner clip, and where the incident happened happens right at the inner clip so but either way i mean there was nothing you know what what are they gonna do call one more time and then uh kazuya goes out for his byron you know hey i i actually don't have a problem with it one more time if i'm able to see those uh those flames popping and going <laughs> yeah, hang on let's see that yeah. uh right there right there yeah there we go oh yes oh yes look at that <laughs> Yeah, he was giving out a, his own light show. Ha! That's funny. In he doesn't need case. the LEDs. So let's go over to another highlight, which actually had a major implications in regards to the points race. So yeah. we're going to have this one here, Mr. Ryan Turk against Travis Reeder. Yeah. This, I can't explain what happened here. This is... An anomaly, in my opinion. Uh, Ryan Turk did admit that it was his fault that it happened. It was a driver error. Uh, so it's uh, like, you know, Ryan's been driving this track for I don't know how many years. You know, he's comfortable in the car. How did this happen? You know, I'm not bashing Turk. I think, you know, he's a great driver. Seems like a real nice guy. I've never ah. really met him. Sorry, I just noticed the... Uh... The thing that was on the roof just like fall off when they took off. Oh yeah, the camera. That's what it was. The yeah, the car was off balance. That's yeah. why he yeah. That That's why it, okay. what happens happens here. Right here we can see he understeers and then boom. boom right into the wall. Yeah, so this uh this really sucked for the Turk, you know. I mean, you know, he's in the in the fight for the championship. The team worked really hard. To get the car back out, you know, with a new engine, uh, as stated before, you know, it's, you know, what do you like? How I, I would feel gutted if that would happen to me. I mean, I feel bad for you know him, the team, and everything because he really had a legitimate shot at the championship, and you could see it just kind of he lost a little bit of the grip. You know, he he fell off a little bit there. You know, uh, but I hope, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the rest of the events anyway. But do you think it's possible that, because remember, they ended up having to do an engine swap. So do you think it's possible that the engine was giving them problems and that may have uh, caused them to go into the wall like that? Uh, They would have found it. They would have found the problem. 
afterwards and they would have stated exactly what happened. But Turk said it was his own fault. It was his error. Wow. Yeah, he, he admitted to it. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, usually when something like that happens, they'll go back, look at the car, like, hey, look, this, you know, this thing was disconnected or whatever. And, or, you know, this spark plug was falling up really bad and lost power. They, they didn't have anything except for, yeah, I messed up, <laughs> you know, right. it was my fault as a driver. So not to be outdone, there was also another major competitor that decided to crash. And oh yeah. This was for the final, correct? No, this was not the final. This was uh top four. Top four. Okay. This was top four. Yeah. Final four. Um, not remembering the crash here. Uh, I think it's, uh, Oh yes. Over here. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, right here. Too hot. Oh, what can you say about that? Oh, it's like uh, uh, it's another one. That's another one. It's like what happened? Yeah, I mean, when you look, when you look at look, look at the smoke going over his front windshield. I mean, what can you do there? I mean, it, it just you're in a cloud. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I understand. That's that. It's just. You're you're so blinded. You just don't know where you're at anymore. And um, this does come up in round eight again uh, to another driver, which we'll talk we'll talk about it. Although I'm pretty sure our viewers uh, have watched everything, so they know. But just in case you don't, but uh, yeah, I've seen in car footage of when this happens, and they can't see anything. They can't see anything. Even that blue LED that's lining the wall. When there's that much smoke on you, you don't see it until the smoke really starts to thin out. So, Maybe they should get brighter LEDs. <laughs> or somehow like uh, have some x-ray LEDs that allows you to see through smoke. Perhaps. Hey, I mean, somebody's got to get started on inventing that. Somebody invent that before I start doing it. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> Yeah, that was unfortunate uh, for Vaughn, but it did make the championship race a little more interesting because what happens here is now Osbo has a shot to to move up in the standings. Remember, he came into this event in fifth place. And this move here, and because Ryan Turk fell out in the top 16, Chris Forsberg fell out in the top 16, this move right here is allowing Osbo to capitalize on those on 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 their on their parity. So he's just going to move up now, and it's going to make the championship uh, race a little more interesting. Indeed. So going back to Noel's notes, uh, <laughs> he did point out that. Uh, hang on, let's see. Uh, Oswald defeats Ginn in the final four after one more time. Ginn's got, uh, we just spoke about that. Essa, Michael Essa, defeated Chelsea Denofa in the final four, which yeah. then caused Denofa to go up against Von Ginn for third place. And again, Ginn goes into the wall in Arizona 1 during his chase run, which you yeah. brought up that uh, they have a hard time uh, finishing a battle together. Yeah, it's... And, it- Anytime they get matched up, 
Chelsea. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, Chelsea versus Vaughn. It's going to be mind-blowing in some way or another. It might, you know, something always happens between them where they can't finish a battle. And if they do finish a battle, it's incredible to watch. Uh, the, you know, and this year, Vaughn has actually bitten back because most of the time I've seen Chelsea beat Vaughn in other years. But this year, we've seen Vaughn come back and just and and just and uh, be the one that doesn't make the mistake or the one that doesn't cause the crazy commotion in their in their battle. Uh, granted, in this uh, event, Chelsea did finally beat Vaughn this year, so I'm pretty sure Chelsea felt good about it, and it just goes to show that. Uh, even though there is a championship race on the line, when those two get together, there's no team orders. They go for it. They don't care. They want to put on a good show for the fans, and they want and they just want to. They really want to earn it. So I think that was awesome to watch. Uh, even though it sucks for Vaughn because that was a pretty big wreck. Uh, if you if we had video, we would show that. Yeah, sorry piece. guys. Uh, no, that's fine. You know, we didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this. This came up on us pretty quick, actually. We just decided to wing it almost. So uh, when you look, if you were to go back to that battle and after the crash, you would see Vaughn's wheel is practically like almost in his door. You know, uh, so there was extensive damage. There is a video that Vaughn posted on Instagram showing the damage of everything that broke. I mean, it was bad. But you know he has one of the best teams in in the in the paddock uh, alongside you know along with Papadakis they're up there as well. I mean they got the car ready for round eight. You know it was good to go. And which car? But yeah, uh, Vaughn Vaughn's car. No 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 no. Oh, I thought you meant like that Papadakis got their the car ready for round eight. No, I'm just saying that. Uh, no, I meant that RTR, the RTR camp, is as good as the Papadakis camp. That's why I mentioned Papadakis in there as one of the best teams in, in the uh, gotcha. in the paddock. And, and I bring it up yeah. because as uh, Osbo was celebrating with donuts, he ends up uh, blowing the engine. So congrats. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. So uh, the, uh, the final was Michael Essa versus Frederick Osbo. Uh, Michael Essa cannot keep up with Osbo throughout the run. Uh, Osbo knows that he has it in the bag. So as they're moving uh, towards the uh, towards the grandstands where they announce the winner of the of the event, uh, they start doing you know donuts and burnouts. You know how it is after an FD event. They're all celebrating. They it's at the end of the day, it's all a good time. And wouldn't you know it, Osbo blows the motor doing a burnout. So and he, as he pulls up, you, you hear him like going over to Michael Essa and be like, I think I blew the motor. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, but what a perfect time to blow the motor, right? Like just after you won the event, oh man, if it would have happened, you know, you know, uh, any sooner it would have been disaster for Osbo. But, um, yeah, I mean that's that's what happened. So uh, Osbo hey, first. Hang on, hey, sorry to mm-hmm. cut you off, but then my 
my question to that is is does it call into question the build quality of the engine itself or the fact that it's uh, the first year with a new engine, new setup, and the fact that there's not a lot of R&D development onto it, and these are just part of the growing pains in regards to the development of the, uh, of the, of the vehicle. I, will I would almost absolutely go with the latter. Uh, it's a new engine that most of these guys don't have a lot of experience with, especially at those power levels, you know, you're banging it off the rev limiter, putting huge amounts of load, you know, at high RPM with the amount of grip that these cars are producing. Uh, it, it's, you know, you're asking it to do something that nobody has ever done with that engine before. So, and hey, I mean, it survived the season before going out, if I can remember it correctly, because... Uh, what I remember it doing before was um, they blew the intake manifold in Seattle, I believe. Uh, and that, yeah, that's one thing, but that was just one part. The whole engine still stayed together. And from what I know, that engine stayed together throughout the year. From what I know, maybe they had spare engines and whatnot that they swapped. And I'm pretty sure they did, but still. Uh, towards the end of the year, you don't have a lot of spare parts left over. Uh, you're starting, you go through them pretty quick. So, um, with that said, you know, I still congratulate Papadakis for doing what they did. Uh, it was an achievement. Definitely. So, as you were pointing out before, with Osbo taking the win, that actually brought him up uh, in the point standings pretty significantly. So going into yeah. round number eight, you had Vongen with 492 points, Ryan Turk with 452, Frederick Oswald with 432, Chelsea Nofa 412, and Chris Forsberg with 396. Right. So, yeah, mathematically, Forsberg's still out of shot. But, uh, no. <laughs> uh, no, he's out, really. Um, and... Uh, Within first to third, you have a 60-point spread. That's still close enough for anything to happen. Um, you know, uh, Osbo was in third, and Turk was still hanging on to second somehow, even though he had a pretty rough finish there in uh, round seven. So, I mean, you know, the, ra the race is wide open. Anybody could take it. Anybody can take it, but we'll find out what happens now. So, oh, uh, yeah. let's also talk about some of the things going into this round. Okay. So, uh, one of the things I wanted to point out, or some of the things I wanted to point out was that, uh, who was it? Ah, Adam LZ came back to his S15. They got the 2J repaired. Chris Forsberg went. Uh, sent his team out to somewhere near San Francisco, I believe, somewhere in the north part, and they retrieved Matt Field's old competition car, uh, the S14.5, which it's funny how people are borrowing S14.5s with V8s that are supercharged. But <laughs> uh, besides the – yeah, hey, I mean, that, that car works. That car definitely works. Uh, you know, that, that setup has proven – very uh, competitive. I mean, it's won many times before. Uh, not just Matt Fields, but Odie's. Uh, but yeah, they 
they brought the car over. Uh, it still had the livery from last year from when Pat Gooden was driving it. So that was interesting to see again. Uh, and uh, Passionate Pat Gooden. Yeah. Passionate Pat. Passionate Pat Gooden. And, of course, Frederick Osbo. Uh, very interesting what happened. So as we know, in round seven, Osbo blew the engine during the celebratory burnouts before being named the winner. Uh, they got the engine, uh, a new engine in there. And uh, as he's going to go out for his first practice run, he does a burnout to warm up the tires. Rod knock. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. So they had to swap the engine out before his top 32 battle. So there goes Papa Dockers again, swapping engines and somehow making it on time. But we'll see pretty soon what happens about all that. Yeah. So let's get uh, started with some of the highlights from round number eight. Uh, to begin with, we have this battle between Dan Burkett against Jonathan Aaron. Oh, yeah. Watch right here. Oof. Oh, wait. Something flew off. Something flew off, and that was his hood. I mean, how unfortunate for Dan Burkett. Dan Burkett was... I'm sorry, but that's, a, run, that's, a, that's a bit amusing. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I can't wait for the replay because that's, that is fun. I mean, I mean it, it, Bur- and, and the windshield didn't crack or anything like that, so you have that at yeah. least. Well, thank God, because if it would have if, if it would have flown open and hung on to the car, then that would have been a problem for uh, Dan. But it it sucks because what happens is, is that you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it sucks. But I mean, he was on a run, man. It was a good run. It's just what a what a unfortunate thing to happen that he had to he did bubble right there a little bit. But other than that, he was I mean he was all over the wall. But you know, to have to lose the hood and be deemed incomplete because you lose a hood, I'm not going to say it's unfair. They have that rule in there in, in place for a reason because there was issues before where hatches would open and in a close tandem battle, believe it or not, that can actually throw the chase driver way off because they're like, hey, something's happening that could hit my car or you know or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and like in this case, a, a hood could have easily just landed and hit the the driver, the chase car, yeah. and uh, you know. Yeah, Naren got lucky too. Yeah, Naren got lucky. I mean, it, that could have been pretty significant damage to his car. This is the best view. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's so great. I mean, it sucks, but it's so great. You know. Yeah, uh, but it but it also displays how light the hood is because this thing was just like flowing so freely with it, like very little uh, friction. Look at that, pink. Yeah, almost I mean, like a paper. A, I think it, I think his hood is carbon fiber, and then uh, and then on top of that, you're going 85, 90 miles an hour into that entry. You know, when air gets under it, it's gonna fly. It's gonna fly. So. Luckily, it just went down and and stayed in the track, and it didn't yeah. hit Naren. And I I mentioned that too because that thing could have easily been a projectile, and who knows if it would have probably like flown up into the sky and hit a uh, yeah. a spectator and, or something like that. If they were to have spectators, 
Yeah, well, luckily it was on the side that there would be no spectators if they were to have one. But also pay attention to Naren's line on the entry. Do you think the hood threw him off? Because uh, he, let's rewind. He went. Look how far down he goes. You see, the hood comes off. <laughs> but then look at Naren. Yeah, he does Naren make a correction there. Yeah, way down. It's like he had to. Yeah, so, something. Yeah, as Odie would say, uh, he got spooked. So, well, I don't uh, blame him. You you can't really blame yeah. him at all. You see something that's out of the norm, you got to react, you got to freak out, and you got to obviously react to yeah. whatever way possible to avoid it. You see a projectile, yeah. an obstacle, and you're like, uh, your natural instincts tell you, like, alert, alert. Yeah, and I'm totally with you on that. That I mean, uh, what else are you going to do as a driver when you see something like that happen? So, I mean, uh, yeah, it was actually good driving from Naren to avoid that. And uh, but man, really seriously, Burkett was on a run. Man, he could have had that if if the hood wouldn't have popped open like that. But these things happen. It's part of uh, any motorsport, uh, even drifting. You know, we just saw it. You know, so yeah, unfortunate for Burkett. But Naren moves on to the top sixteen. So. That was that. So let's go and talk about this battle with Mr. Frederick. All right. So Freddy has a new engine, uh, but has not driven since Friday night. So he didn't have practice earlier that morning. And you can see he was dragging the wall uh, all over the place. But in doing so, what happens is the car starts to straighten out a little bit and he starts to turn his wheel straight to the point where he's actually understeering and the judges just called it like he it was a loss of drift for a significant amount of time. He was understeering, so they called that an incomplete run. Ah, uh, yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, it, it was unfortunate. Now, now to... You know, lessen the pain for Odie. Or, no, Odie, excuse me. For <laughs> for Osbo, excuse me. Uh, he hadn't driven since Friday night. Friday night, the track is totally different. You know, uh, it's cooler. There's more grip. There's, you know, the cars are making more power. And also, since he had just swapped an engine, he also mentioned that they weren't going all the power at this one because they wanted to kind of preserve it. So... A lot of these, a lot of these variables come in into something that you're just not expecting the car to react a certain. You know, you're expecting it to react a certain way, but it does, it doesn't react that way. And well, I mean, it's not a knock on Freddie. Freddie's, a, we all know he's a world class driver. He's incredible. And you know, uh, honestly, if that wouldn't have happened, if all these other uh, unfortunate circumstances didn't happen, I think. He would have held on a little bit longer. Actually, he would have met Vaughn in the top 16, and that could have been a problem. But we're here now. We're here now. So, Definitely. yeah, this uh, this this knocks uh, Osbo out of the championship, unfortunately. But Turk is still in there. So, yeah. So and so is go ahead, sorry. And I was going to say, and so is uh, Forsberg as well. Correct. Uh, so let's switch over to somebody that had the look. Well, 
Looks like he was having a great run. And here we go. Yeah, we this... Have, uh, I, JTP up against Matt Field. JTP taking the lead. Now, you wanted to highlight this because you feel that this is as close of a perfect run as you've witnessed in, the, uh, in this event. I mean, look at... Yeah, I mean, look at the proximity to the wall, to that outer zone that he had. Then he does this transition right here and gets perfectly on the second outer zone wall. And all while, you know, on throttle, full lock, and watch this transition here. I mean, look at the angle he's coming through that final corner. I mean, I just wanted to highlight this because that was the best run I had seen all weekend from any driver. I mean, honestly... It just goes to show that there are moments where JTP is <laughs> he's he can just pull something out that we didn't expect, but he's that kind of driver. Well, and the, I hope to see at, him at this point. It shouldn't come to no surprise because he, this was one of the first individuals to score a 100 on one of his qualifying runs. Yeah, well, the second one after Tanner Faust back in 2008 oh, or nine or something. My like that. apologies. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Uh, but anyway, either way, he's still scoring a 100 in qualifying is an achievement. I mean, he's the second one to do it. Then James Dean did it later that year in Texas, uh, which I thought that was a 100-point run. The run that JTP did in, in Jersey, I don't see a 100, but I see that it had so much style and so much like aggression in his driving that the judges just had to go with the 100. I get that. But this run here at Irwindale, at the speeds that they achieve at this track, and then going into that inner bank the way he did with that commitment and just staying in it, I mean, I was blown away when I saw it live. I thought that was, man, I mean, that's one of the best runs I've seen ever in no. any in any competition. I, I mean, see it, that it was overhead crazy. View. Oh, darn it. I lost it again. Shoot. Hang on. I, it's I, okay. I got, it. I got it. Here we go. Boom, 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 right there. Yeah. Yeah, this, at, this, be, this does a much better job of illustrating what you're talking about. The fact that he was riding high on the first section on the bank. Does a great transition. Goes back to riding the bank. See, the angle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you uh, could argue on the final section, he could have been a little deeper into it but considering everything that he's he did so far i mean that, that it's it's a great it's a good run if that was qualifying that i think that would have been like a 98 99 honestly that, that it was that good hmm. all right so going over to the opposite end of the spectrum uh while that was a high this is uh another low for one of the other competitors in the series now actually now that i'm seeing this it's quite a, it's quite interesting real that quick, mr real quick, before go ahead before we get into this you don't have the alec robbins versus adam lz no I don't. no okay all right okay i wanted to touch on that but that's fine oh yeah i forgot about that my apologies okay. I, I know what you wanted it but yeah uh, yeah but, Let's uh, go back to this and. But yeah, refresh my memory. Didn't Oswald go up against 
No, it was Travis Reader. My, um, I got him confused. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, let's focus on this. So something really interesting happens here. If you look right here, oh. boom, there's contact uh, between uh, Turk and Naren. Now, here's the thing about this run. Yeah, you could tell that the contact did affect Naren's car, but man, for a split second, I thought Naren was going to spin out. You know, I, I don't know what to say about that. Ah, another example. Of, okay, I see what you're going with. Yeah, well, I'm not saying, okay, I'm not saying that Naren was trying to pull this on Turk. I think Naren's line, he was still up a little too high before coming into the inner clip, so he had to throw more angle at it to be able to hit the inner clip. So, yes, I mean, at first pass, it looks like he was about to spin out. If Oh, man, they, they keep changing the replay on this. No worries, so, keep going. Yeah, so at first pass, it looks like he's about to spin out. But when you look real carefully, he does throw a lot of angle, but the car stops rotating right here. It's just, man, but Turk should also know that that is a diesel zone. And he came up to him very quickly, very, very quickly. But... Man, it's just kind of look. Look, you saw the angle right there that that Naren pulled. Yeah, out of nowhere, it just kind of like he he put more angle to it, but then at the same time, the car just stopped rotating right before he got hit. So it's like, was he going to spin out or was he about to hold it? I think he was about to hold it, but why didn't Turk realize that that was a diesel zone? That's what kind of baffles me about this battle, and like and knowing what this can mean for the championship like man you know like no no knocks against Naren. Naren's a phenomenal driver we've seen him in clutch kickers the guy can rip but turk come on man you're gonna lose to a rookie like this when you're battling for a championship <laughs> like uh that, that that was definitely another anomaly from Turk and it happened two times this week. You know, I mean, it's just crazy, crazy. I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, it, for all we know, it could have been the nerves. I like take, for instance, last year, last year, Turk wasn't, uh, wasn't a competitor for the, for the championship. Correct. Like when you got to the point where Irwindale came around, I don't think he was anywhere near the points. Right. Well, he was in the top five. Um, but, he ended up in the top five. I I don't remember exactly how he came into it, mm -hmm. but he had two two podiums uh, earlier. Uh, he he got second in Atlanta and he got first in Jersey. Uh, I was there for the Atlanta one, uh, so he was he and consider that he got into the top five in points, missing a round. He missed Long Beach due to a crash uh, that his car That's was completely right. out of commission, and the guy still made it to the top five. So it just goes to show how much of a competitor he is. So when I see things like what happened with him, between, uh, with him and Naren, it kind of makes me look at Turk and be like, you should know better than that. You should know, like, you know, you don't have to zero in on a driver like, like that because you know you can make it through, you know. Uh, I lost you, pal. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. There you go. My phone was 
my phone was going into low power mode. So, so uh, but anyway, uh, it's in my room. I'm not gonna go get it. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I guess we gotta we gotta speed it up a little bit. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. Don't worry about it. So anyway, uh, yeah, I I just I mean, you know, I've never been in that situation. I'm not that kind of driver. I'm never. I I, I don't want to say never, but I don't think I'll ever be at that level. But I mean, I would think that when you're at that level, you would know better than to, you know, than to make a mistake like that. Granted, Naren did throw angle out of nowhere, but it is a diesel zone. So anyway, uh, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Well, uh, just that um, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with your statement on Naren uh potentially or working his way to overturn that section where the content was was made i i definitely don't feel out that he was gonna over rotate i think that he was just setting himself up properly right. for it well, and and again you could you could argue because there was sort of like this uh, a discussion about it because it did seem that way based on perhaps the trajectory that he was going but i i don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I really don't. I think that he was just with the way how he was driving, he was setting himself up pro- properly, and th- the issue that with the issue at hand really was just the fact that Turk just didn't really anticipate that, or he just forgot. And next thing you know, as you saw, he made the contact, and he basically uh, eliminated himself from the from the race. Right, and no, and that's what I said actually. What I said was that at first pass, it looks like he's going to spin out. When oh, you really okay. look at Sorry it, about that. when you really look at it, uh, he does throw more angle at the car, but the car stops rotating. Like it just stops. You know, it it, it looks like it's going to spin out, but it just stops right there from from rotating. And he was going to drive through the inner clip, but at the same time, man, Turk, you got to, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that that was just kind of. It, it's it's tough. It's tough because especially with a driver that could be a little inconsistent on a track that he's never driven on before, like Naren was. Uh, you never know. Maybe driving so close isn't the best idea. But you know, I, I also think the way Turk went into him was pretty fast. You know, I, I don't know. It, it just looked, it looked kind of weird in my opinion. Yeah. But anyway. So uh, moving on, and I believe the uh, what was perhaps. Arguably the most controversial battle or incident that occurred in this event was the following. That involved Mr. Taylor Hall going up against Dylan Hughes. The creme de la creme of controversial battles. (laughs) So this was already a little bit sort of out of the ordinary. Not so much, but Again, you kind of expect it, and all of a sudden you're starting to see this unfold. Great. Okay, obviously there's a distance going into the first turn. Dylan is working his way to close that gap as much as possible. And now we see this area where there's a bit of a contact contact. And what just happened? Yeah. Okay, so, all right. This is going to go back. Well, all right, let's start off with, the starting line, okay? Uh, the lights go out, but before the lights go out, Dylan 
knows Taylor's car is fast. We've seen that car at Clutch Kickers. That thing's a rocket. So he knows this. All right, cool. So I'm going to take off a little before the light so that way we can match up when he gets on it. So uh, Taylor just doesn't go for a little bit. He just kind of sits at the line just waiting a little longer. And that causes a problem for Dylan in, you know, because Dylan is in a turbo car. Turbo cars, you know, if you have to let off and you're out of the power band, when you step on it, nobody's home. The, th- the car doesn't go. So it's kind of a, I don't know if that was a tactic by uh, Taylor, you know, uh, but that was kind of fishy in my, in, in my opinion. Now, before we get into what happens here, uh, approaching inner clip too. I want to. I want to reiterate that Taylor Hall is a very nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's okay. at least the times that I've talked to him, and you know, uh, in, at Clutch Kickers and everything, he seems like the nicest guy. Everybody that knows him, he's really nice, straight up dude. Uh, like I congratulated him on the top eight finishes at um, in Seattle, and he was like all talking, "Yeah, man, thanks," you know. Uh, uh, we feel blessed and like he was so nice and like humble about it. So when we come down to seeing what happens here, right? Okay, this goes. This also includes my the battle from with Dean Carney and Osbo, where Dean gets hit or Dean hits Osbo and Osbo goes a little offline, but he stays in it. This is the difference. Why did Taylor Hall, after getting hit, yes, he gets hit twice. I get it. And one of them was on the wheel. But you could see a delay between getting hit on the wheel and him turning out and and forfeiting the run. You can see it right here. He gets, here's a bump, and then the delay, and then you see the car. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't want to call it as... Hang on, hang on. And and this is going back to what you were saying, how there was a bit of a delay in the jump. You see Dylan Hughes, he takes off, but... Yeah. And and in a turbo car, you're just like, oh, no, I'm out of it, you know? Yeah, and that gives Taylor Hall the advantage to the opportunity to just take off the way that he did. Yeah. So Dylan Hughes is evidently just got to, like, freak out and do what he can to close that gap and he saw that right yeah now granted uh yes technically it is dylan hughes's fault for the contact because it is in a decel zone i get that but what what caused taylor hall's car to go off to the right what caused it it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me it just, it's really, you know, I, I, and let me tell you, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, uh, you know, it's right or anything, but there's so many memes that have come out of this. There's a whole lot of drama that's come out of this. And when you're on a spotlight, like FD, I mean, you have to, you know, you have to cover your butt, you know, this is kind of a fishy move, you know, I mean, yes, it does hit his wheel. And that could rip the wheel out of, you know, Dylan does hit Taylor's front wheel. That could rip the steering wheel out of your hands. But the delay between 
getting hit and the car snapping off to the right is where I think it's fishy. I mean, they, he could have just gotten on the draw. I mean, it even seems to me that like looking at it now that when he first got hit, he just kept slowing down. Yeah. Instead yeah, of and, and powering through or staying on the or, or staying on the throttle, he just decided to just slow it, yeah. let off the and, throttle, slow down, and then made the situation that much worse. Right, and that's the other thing. It's like, okay, if he would have stayed on the throttle, that car would have kept sliding, maybe offline or whatever, but it would have kept sliding. The thing is, is also, I hate to bring this up from outside sources or anything, but there is video of when he does get hit, you can see Taylor's hands start steering to the right and he's off throttle. What's that going to do to the car? Well, that means the car's going to now just jump over to the right. It's just going to snap that way. And I'm just like, I'm here. Like did Taylor just misreact to it? Did he, did, you know, did something happen to the car where just the suspension went out of whack? What happened? I hate to accuse anybody of, you know, of driving mischievously or, or, or using any tactics like this. But, uh, you know, the thing, the truth is, is that we've seen things like this before with him. Taylor Ray, Mike Pollard, clutch kickers. We've seen this and I don't, you know, and when you're on the biggest stage in drifting with all eyes looking at you, I don't think it's a good look to do something like that. Honestly, you know, Taylor, if you ever watch this, you're a good dude, man. And I, but I know you're better <laughs> than that. I know you're better than that, man. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. That is just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to sort of make any sort of allegations. Obviously, we're not there behind the driver's seat. We don't know what exactly transpired, what uh, what actually happened. But to the naked eye and, and and trying to put some logic into it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And there's really yeah. not much you could do to sort of uh, argue against that. But um, I'm I'm not at the position, so I I yeah. would I would just let it be and, and just. Just move on, but at least we get some money, uh, funny memes out of it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've been enjoying myself all week. Uh, <laughs> Wait, phrasing. But... <laughs> now, uh, yeah, phrasing. Now I've been enjoying myself with the memes all week. Thank you. That's yeah. That could still actually be wrong. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but let's let me also say. Taylor Taylor has been driving phenomenally. I mean, uh, the jump from last year to this year is a hundred percent different. It's a total turnaround. His his lead lines this week rivaled some of the better ones that I've seen all weekend. So I mean, that goes to show that he is that caliber of driver. He can, you know, he can go up there. Getting to the top eight in Formula D is a big deal. This, they, the, you know, they consistently, they say consistently making it to the top eight or better is what gets you a championship. 
and he's been getting better and better. He makes it. He made it to the top ten in, in the championship points. That's a pretty, you know, in my eyes, that's a pretty big deal. So I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Taylor has the potential to do some damage in a good way. Let's not continue doing damage this way, though. Ah. Let's, you know, I, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying, from what I'm seeing, from what what my two peepers are showing me. Yeah, dude, uh, that was fishy. That was fishy. All right, so let's switch over to something not so fishy, and let's uh, highlight uh, a moment that uh, really stood out from the event. Now, something they introduced for this event was the AM uh, Fan Zone, which allowed people (laughs) to tune in and express their... Uh, I guess, opinions towards some of the battles in a Zoom meeting, in a large Zoom meeting, if you want to call it that. And I think it went well. Uh, It definitely allowed people to kind of be a part of the event, even though they couldn't. And with all of the restrictions that are in place, uh, a lot of venues not allowing any, any fans. And so this is a a way for FD to, to connect with fans and for the fans to connect back with FD and I think it was really good. But I think the, one of the best parts that is it allowed one of our own local favorites, Mr. I'm sorry, not Mr. World famous Chris Jackson, who happened to make an appearance. I don't know how, but he was, uh, that was definitely a, a big surprise just to see this band there front and center. Part of the crowd, part of part of the fans, and it's just now uh, how he managed to take the time to join the uh, the the virtual fan zone and work as a crew chief a crew chief for Mr. Jeff Jones. I don't know, I don't know how he did it, but this but this man worked wonders. We all know him to really go above and beyond, go to distance to make things uh, uh that were once thought to be impossible possible and it was just great to not only see him there but also also take part in the uh in his opinion see look we have another footage of him uh when uh jerry deanda was asking for uh people's opinions of what they thought was the battle uh, you saw world famous chris jackson there giving his opinion he said jtp and there he was okay so, it, hey, it is incredible that he did that because uh, Jeff Jones was still in in the fight. He was still there. He made it all the way to the top four. So I don't know how Jackson came up with the time to do this, but Jackson, you're a miracle worker. It's amazing. Yeah, you, you must have healing powers. I don't know, man. You're you're amazing. So yeah, <laughs> shout out to Jackson. Yeah, so <laughs> talking about JTP, I think uh, it was quite interesting what happened with him because let's switch over there so he had a battle with Odie yeah so this is in the, the the final four battle yeah final four battle uh, JTP as you can see he goes up to the wall all on his own obviously now, so what a, what, a, what a difference between what he did 
on that lead run against Matt Field to that. I mean, like, exactly what happened? You know, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, we he, we know he has the potential to to you know take names. I mean, the guy the guy's a great driver, but that was really weird how he came up on that weird line starting low, and then he kind of pointed the car outwards on the initiation or something to where it just started climbing up after he started initiating and there was nowhere to go. It was just weird, weird, weird. Uh, then again, you know, going up against Odie, you got to bring out everything. You got to bring out your A game because Odie, although this year has been a little, yeah, had his, yeah, he, he was a little bit in a funk, you know, you still got to bring it because you never know that, that guy can rip. So, Definitely. Yeah. So J- JTP was in a, in a bit of a predicament where he could either choose to continue to battle Odie, but he was already at a disadvantage. So he could either choose to continue to battle Odie or forfeit, concede defeat against Odie, and then utilize that time from the the, the, the remainder of this battle and the following battle, which would have been uh, which would have been against uh, Jeff Jones, to actually take the time to fix the car. Yeah. So, just to clarify exactly what happened there, um, you do have a competition timeout that you can use, but instead of using that competition timeout for this battle, he said, "Okay, obviously I'm not going to get the car finished in five minutes." There's a lot of work that a lot of suspension bits that have broken. So, and there's a lot to change. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to forfeit this run and throughout his, his by run and the battle between Chelsea and uh, Jeff Jones. And then when my third place battle comes up, I call my competition timeout. The car will be ready to go. So also, uh, although we don't have audio for this, uh, he did. He did go up to Odie. Said, "Hey, since I couldn't beat you, you got to win this for me." So uh, that was cool. That was a cool little exchange there between Odie and JTP. Now, so if you were to use this competition timeout now and not make it uh, to battle Odie, he couldn't even run for the third place battle. It would disqualify him from the event. So he would just have made it to fourth place, and that was it. But he was pretty smart about it. He was like, "No, I can. I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna make the final. So might as well think about third place, and and we'll go from there." So that that was that was awesome. That was a smart strategy. Uh, it worked out for him, you know, uh, because we'll see later exactly what that turns into. Oh, uh, I don't yeah, have that clip. Yeah. It, it basically oh. ended up being where he battles Jeff Jones and actually takes the victory. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly enough with a car that just went into the wall pretty hard. You can see the, the body isn't exactly in the best shape and the suspension has been tweaked. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and you know, some are, some people might argue, oh, Jeff Jones, yeah, he's good. But, you know, look, man, in the top four, everybody's good, okay? Everybody is at that level. You have to bring it, okay? And uh, JTP, in a car that was broken, comes out and and wins that battle for third place. 
That was awesome. That was awesome to watch. So before we uh, move on to the next few things, uh, let's just state that uh, Odie Bakchis won the battle against uh, Chelsea Denofa uh, for first place. So that would mean that Odie was first, Chelsea was second, and JTP came third. And our boy Jeff Jones made it to fourth place. I mean, for the second time this year. That's awesome. That's a lot of progress. Got to give kudos to him and the team, which includes our homie, uh, Chris Jackson, world-famous Chris Jackson, might I add. Um, And that was awesome, awesome, awesome to to see them do well. Uh, As far as the championship goes, uh, Von Gittin obviously got first. Chelsea went from starting fifth in the weekend. Was it fifth or fourth? Maybe fourth. Uh, all the way there to second in the championship. So Team RTR, one and two, uh, Ryan Turk came in third. And actually the first four uh, the first four positions in the championship were all middle tire. So congratulations to middle tire. Congratulations to uh, Ford and RTR. That was, you guys had an awesome year. You know, uh, can't wait for 2021 to see what that brings. Hopefully we get all our rounds back. We can go to Florida, Road Atlanta. I want to see the New Jersey track. I want to see the Sonoma track. I'm I'm ready for it. You're ready to see everything. Yeah. Show it all to me. <laughs> Bear it all. <laughs> all right. So something that we are uh ready and looking forward to to see is the upcoming clutch kickers. 2021 season and they went ahead and well what's it's going on over here how come i don't see it oh there it is well, that was weird how come it didn't pop up well i see it so <laughs> yeah i don't know why it just wasn't appearing but in any case so in case you didn't know the clutch kickers the now actually last year it was known as the one hundred thousand dollars drift series i don't know what they're going to call it this year it's going to be different because they're doing top 16 payouts a bit yep. unheard of in the whole uh drift uh drift industry uh but they're doing it and as you can see they have the dates published as round one march 12th to the 14th round two april 23rd to the 25th round three june 11th to the 13th round four august 20th to the 22nd and round five october 8th through the 10th Definitely, uh, if you want to be updated with anything that involving this series, which I, if you're a driver, highly recommend you check it out. Highly recommend you, uh, if you have any doubts, really, uh, I mean, you can miss the first or two events and if you still have any doubts, but definitely worth checking out for sure. Absolutely. and uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So make sure to follow their social media channels. They're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of that at Clutch Kickers. Yeah. And, of course, also ClutchKickers.com where uh, any sort of information will be posted there. Also, if, you, you know, if you're interested, uh, you know, get some, some clothing apparel. It's not bad. Yeah. No, you have it's one awesome. of their shirts, right? Yeah. I have two of the shirts. Uh, I have a red and a black clutch kicker shirt. It has the one eighty has the one eighty SX sliding through. It looks real cool. Um, now 
uh, yeah, as far as the Drift series goes or anything that involves clutch figures, those are really good guys up there. They're awesome. They're, they are for the community. They are for the drivers. They want to, you know, they want to give us the best, the best possible drifting competitions, drifting fun days. You know, they want to, they are, they cater to the drivers very well. Uh, also, the competition itself is phenomenal. I love it out there. I mean, because, you know, while, you know, granted, FD is the biggest uh, series in the world. It's great. But this is awesome in the sense that anybody can come in and drive with anybody. You can drive with pro drivers from FD in their FD cars. That is so cool to me because, I mean, you know, like, when do you, where, do you, where else do you get that? Is, are you at a disadvantage? Sure, but it doesn't mean you can't beat them. It is possible. We've seen giants being slayed at this track. It's awesome. This is this track is an equalizer. I mean, if you're a driver, go drive it. If you're in Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, that area, whatever, I, even if you want to come from wherever, doesn't matter. Come drive this track. These events are awesome. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you got the schedule right there. There's no excuses. Come out. Uh, definitely. And in local news, um, for a time, for a while, uh, PBIR was not hosting events, but, uh, that can no longer be said as uh, world famous Chris Jackson, let us know that the next upcoming drift event at PBIR Palm beach international raceway will be held on December 19th. Now, all of the information is not up yet. Uh, they're still trying to work out some of the details, but at least we have a date. But if you are interested, go to the usdriftcircuit.com website or follow their social media channels, US Drift Circuit at Facebook and Instagram. And once they put up the information, it will be up there. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah. Um. Oh, and I want to also uh, let everybody know that we are going to be out there and we are going to be streaming from there. Am I right? Uh, hopefully. I mean, if the infrastructure <laughs> is there try. that allows us to be able to uh, make that possible, then yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to make any sort of promises because where they are. Uh, thinking of uh, hosting one of the drift areas, I guess you can say. I not I'm not familiar with it, so maybe we can work something out. Who knows? But I don't see any sort of major obstacles uh, being in the way for us to be able to uh, make that a reality. Well, listen to me because what I'm going to say is, oh god, we're going to do what we're going to do whatever we can. We've used a cell phone before, okay, to, to live stream an event. We're ready to do it. I mean, it's it might not be the prettiest thing, but we're going to be out there trying to bring out the action to you. Of course, we're going to have our usual topics that we talk about all the time, you know, and you know, just having fun watching drifting and talking crap so yeah just uh tune into that if you can't make it to the event if you can make it to the event uh i'm not sure what it is with spectators 
yet with PBIR. That will be disclosed uh, in the next few days. But if you can make it, awesome. If you're a driver, come out. It's it's an awesome track they, uh, where we might possibly have a skid pad is huge. So we can have huge, you know, a lot. Yeah, that's a possibility. I'm not confirming it yet. But if we can have that skid pad, we man, you're going to have a ball out there because it is big. It is really big and you can go real fast, but it's a skid pad. So you don't have much to hit the road course, of course. It's a uh, it's a world class road course. It, it's fast if you're ready to tackle on third, fourth gear, uh, you know, throughout a track. Come on, bring it on. Let's, let's get out there. It's awesome. So yeah, come on. <laughs> it's just funny. It's like, come on, bro. Let's go. Come on, bro. Let's do let's it. Go. Get your car ready. <laughs> All right. So uh, one final topic that we wanted to bring up, and I wanted to give you uh, give our viewers a bit of a warning. If you are in any way not interested in Toyotas, and you can feel free to tune away, but if you are by some chance, then you are in luck because we are now going to discuss the upcoming Subaru BRZ or Z. Also, if... If you uh, vape, you want to stay tuned. It is a Subaru. So, yeah, there's that. What? What are you talking about? You know, yeah, you don't know that Subaru owners love to vape? I don't care right now. The only thing I care yeah, well, about is talking about this vehicle right here. But the you only called out the Toyota guys. Fine. The Toyota and Subaru guys. Is that, ha- <laughs> is that better? Yeah, it's better. I okay. Guess it's better. So, we get the the updated version of the 86 Twins, and the first one to get the update, uh, actually the first one to be announced, is the Subaru version. And I'm sure the looks of it, it's going to cause some discussion. Because I don't know what to make of it. I mean, uh... I, I don't know. It, I don't hate it, but I, I'm not necessarily in love with it. Well, okay. Uh, here I go. That that first picture all the way to the top. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, they they made it look better than what it what it really is because it's a, it looks a little lower there for some reason. Okay, but. When you look at the actual car, I, I don't know what they were trying to like. It's it's like they were trying to grab from here and there and just Frankenstein something together. Look, the rear lights is like the rear lights. That looks like an Accord in the back. You know, the the front looks like uh, some Porsche, maybe a Panamera or Cayenne or something with with like an. A, with like an M4 bumper, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. And then like the, the the fenders, the vents look cool and all that, but it's like they pulled it out of a, a Lexus. You know, uh, it, it's just kind of weird. It's like a hodgepodge of different cars, different styles. You know, what's funny though is that 
from the quarter panel, it still looks like it's the old car. It, it looks, it's got that bulging quarter panel look that the old car has. And I think the, the window, like the side windows and everything are, they look the same. I would have to compare them, but it's like, they kind of like, all right, it's a new car, but it's not a new car kind of thing. But honestly, styling wise, not a fan uh, maybe after a while it might grow onto me and then, you know, we see them lowered with some cool wheels or a wide body kit or whatever. And that might start interesting me a little bit more at that point. But from what I'm seeing here, that's not, that doesn't look good. Yeah, I don't, I, I feel like, and I think I mentioned to you uh, this to you before. They they just made it basic, so that way then it le- gives them room to really amp it up, if you want to call it that. Uh, mm-hmm. If they decide to come out with an SCI version, mm-hmm. right, uh, and that is a possibility. But here's the thing: we've been hearing about an STI version since the first gen. Since yeah, and uh, that hasn't come to fruition, and. I'm starting to lose a little faith, honestly, uh, in the fact that we might ever get an STI version of this car. It would be pretty cool. Look, the first gen already had the engine in there. The FA20, throw a turbo on it, use the the FA20 from the WRX. It makes 265 horsepower from the factory. That's plenty of power for that car. It still drifts. Yeah, luckily it does do that, and that's what we're looking forward to. Why are they showing us rally? That's just yeah, and a WRX that is and completely a irrelevant. What is going on? It's not like it even has well, all-wheel drive. That's Colin. Hang on, that's Colin McRae. All right, let's uh, pay respects to that. Okay, all right. What do you do? I I get it. I'm sorry, but what does this have to do? The only thing uh, the, it's a boxer engine. Okay. <laughs> this is what uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I honestly don't know. Now they're showing the old PRZ. I, I guess they're going through the uh, development of it. They're like, okay, well, we we enjoy the first car, and we're looking to w- find ways to improve it. Obviously, it, it was difficult because the first car was just so great out of the box. So now. <laughs> Oh, uh, the the question was okay. How do we improve it? Well, they did improve it. They had that limited edition model, which uh, okay, I guess. Look, it's, it drifts easily when yeah. you have rain and dirt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> rain is highly recommended with that car. Yeah. Oh, uh, see, there we go. Yeah. So now they're going through the progression. They're like, okay, well, was that like a carbon fiber ruler? That well, probably no. Well, I don't know. Giacomo, Giacomo made the ruler. Oh yeah. Our our friend Giacomo. Fifty percent likes to he likes to make uh, carbon fiber parts. Uh, he does have a business with that. So. Shout okay, out to that. so uh, we 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 spoke about the 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 looks of it. Now, how do you feel about the powertrain? Because okay, they went from two point oh two hundred horsepower up to a 2.4 and as you saw 228 horsepower 
do you think that's yeah. enough to be really make a difference? And it looks like it has because now it seems that the car is sliding on its own without any sort of assistance from the dirt or the wet. Yeah, well, um, honestly, that difference in horsepower in this day and age might not sound very impressive. I mean, the class that this car competes in, what else do you have in there? The MX-5 from Mazda, Civic, Honda Civic Si, you know, things like that where, like, those are comparable cars maybe, and they don't make that kind of power. But my problem with it is that I feel like when you put a bigger engine and not that much more power, uh, you're starting to lose a lot of the characteristics of what makes the older car better. It, it, I mean, granted, I was never a fan of the, the boxer engine, but at least it had, you know, it was a little peppy. It was, it, it had high RPM. It was kind of cool in that sense that it kind of gave you like that, that feeling of like, hey, this thing wants to, you know, it, it's alive. When you put a bigger engine that has lower revs, and the same amount of power, yeah, you have more torque. It gets going a little bit easier, but it kind of loses that personality. And I, I, I think that's, you know, and with new cars, the thing with new cars is that they're so dampened from the factory that you lose a lot of that personality already. So I don't know. I have to drive it to really get, you know, to really get the full feel of it. But honestly, I don't think this is going to be better than the previous car. Uh, maybe statistically-wise, whoa, 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 yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on there. That's a bold statement, sir. You're saying that saying. this is a, this is not going to top the original. Is that what you're saying? The first generation? I'm saying in the sense of, like, feeling and, like, and, and, and personality I don't think so. I think the previous car does a pretty good job of that, even though it it's still missing a lot of power or whatever. But it's just not. I I, I think this is not. This is going to be more dampened. It's going to be a little softer. I don't know, man. It's just not. I I don't think I'm going to be happy with it. I'm just predicting what I think. Maybe you know I drive the car and I'm like, you know what? I'm totally wrong. This thing is badass, but. You know, I, I don't see that. What I don't know what I find a bit amusing is that remember with the first car with the well, actually the, the first 86 twins where mm -hmm. they intentionally set up the suspension for the BRZ version to be more understeer prone. So that way the vehicle doesn't drift or doesn't fishtail as easily as the FRS version or the 86 version. Right and now for them to promote and market this vehicle, they're just has showing it just sliding all over the place. So I have to wonder, is it, <laughs> I mean, does this mean that they, uh, they're not going with that understeer setup or, uh, or they're embracing no. the, the drifting? No, it's just marketing. I mean, honestly, they could do, they could set up the car however they want. And I don't think the BRZ was a bad car to drift any, even with the softer suspension than the than the FRS. It's just marketing. It's like, what's the coolest way to market a car? Show it drifting. Everybody's gone to that in the last 10 years. All commercials always show cars drifting, you know? So because 
it's the coolest thing you could do with a car. Right? Not necessarily. Hey, throw it out into the dirt and, and have it go uh, do some rally. What's wrong with yeah, that? But, in, but it still slides around. It still drifts. People like the slidey things. So because it's it's something that a car is not designed to do. So people like that. So when they show that, they're like, hey, it's a cool car. you know. And when they go, they're like, oh, it doesn't drive that well. But you already bought it, dude. You know? <laughs> But you know, um, it's look. I don't think I I don't think I'm gonna like it that much. But at the end of the day, it's still gonna be a car that is gonna have a crazy aftermarket for a crazy following. Uh, you know, and I mean, look, I'm criticizing it now, but look at the Supra, okay? Everybody, oh, hang on, everybody was hating on the Supra. It sucks. It's made by a BMW. It doesn't look that cool. And now there's a huge aftermarket for it. People, you know, the people who can't afford it are buying it, you know. And, you know, what what, what does that say about, you know, predictions or, or how people feel about something the, fir- the first time they see it, you know? Uh, look at look at the, the Corvettes, the C7 Corvette. When it first came out, eh, it's gross. Now everybody's like, I like the C7. And the C8, the same thing. Well, C8, I don't think was so polarizing, but it was still like people were like, "Oh, it's weird. Looks like a Ferrari." Well, now what are you I talking see about. C8. Of course, of course, that was polarizing. Uh, the fact that it's they went f- the with the minute layout for the first time in its history, and yeah. that the sure the um, actually no, I take it back. Maybe perhaps that was more polarizing was the uh, the C7. Because yeah. you had the, the taillights that were uh, picked up from the Camaro, and then people are like, wait, yeah. what's going on over here? Yeah, exactly. But now everybody loves the C7. So, I mean, you know, what do you say about that? You know, it, it's just perfect example. I, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, and the 1999 Mustang came out to the auto show. I was like, <laughs> that is the most hideous car I've ever seen in my life. What the hell were they thinking? I wasn't even a big fan of the previous one, but it looks better. Now I'm like, no way, dude. I, a, a Terminator Cobra? I think it's cool as hell. Or like a Mach Cobra. 1. That's a cool car. You know? Those are, those are awesome cars. Now I'm like, yeah, I like the way they look. In fact, I'm looking into one. So, uh, you know, it's just your taste changes the more you see something you start getting used to it and you start accepting it and it's just like you know what man it's cool uh this might end up being one of those cars you know so uh i don't know why but i'm looking at the rear end of it and i i just get the buick regal vibes i can see a little bit of that yeah i can see that i see honda accord even a little bit nsx of the new NSX, not the old one. Oh, I see that. Okay. I, I yeah. hang on, let, let's pull that up. It's it looks like a Honda in the back. Something there is screaming Honda. And not to say that those cars are bad looking, uh, uh, but Yeah, I, I can see some of that. Yeah. Hang hang on, I'm trying yeah, to find that. Can... There it is. Oh yeah. Let's see if I can enhance it. Oh, yeah, there we go. Hmm. But anyway, 
those are my thoughts. Let's see when it comes out. When we get the production versions of it on the road, you know, we get to test drive one. See what happens. See what we think of it then. By then, maybe I'll be like, oh, it's not a bad looking car. Because I change my mind all the time. And that's how I talk. So. Um, look, I've. You, you brought up the Supra and you brought up some of the criticisms that people have said about it. And quite frankly, my opinion on it has not really changed from my initial impression. So there are people yeah. out there that if a car that comes out is not, doesn't cater to them, they, mm -hmm. it just, it just doesn't cater to them from, from beginning to end. So, Oh, yeah, I'm with you. But most people end up changing their minds. It's just, uh, that's what I've seen. Cool. All right, no, any uh, final thoughts? Final thoughts. Uh, well, this was a very different episode, so, but I'm grateful that we were able to accomplish it. Uh, hopefully, uh, everybody enjoyed it. Um, as far as drifting goes, well, um, happy we had a 2020 formula drift season i'm happy we still have local events uh and i'm just happy that you know drifting is still going strong even though you know the world is you know falling apart in some senses hopefully we get back to a normal world uh but yeah we're here drifting still strong uh bring on 2021 uh, i can't wait sweet and and with that said, guys, don't forget to check us out on our social media channels, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.com slash Drift Sessions uh, for everything that uh, we do. Uh, am I missing something? No. Usually you're the one that's uh, fact-checking me on this. Well... We do want, I do want to bring up one little thing, and this is just a quick little tidbit. Hurry up. We, yeah, well, we do understand what's going on at OSW. There is something happening over there. Oh, There's gosh. been some drama going on. But hang on. But I do know, I do know that the staff at OSW uh, are working hard to rectify the problem. And, and we just want drifting to grow everywhere everywhere we just want drifting to grow everywhere and we hope that this doesn't uh affect the, drift, the drifting community uh in central florida so we're with you uh as far as that you know and hopefully we can get back to drifting at osw well there's drift events but i just hope that the drama just falls off somehow so yeah that's all i had to say about it Alrighty. Uh, thank you for tuning in and we hope to catch you next time in about two weeks, hopefully in a much better setting and, uh, yeah. and we'll see you then. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye.